On today's story session, a tale about a woman who only survives because she's super hot and the villain is completely incompetent. This is Little Snow White. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folktales and fairy tales used to be, which in my opinion just made them way better and more entertaining. So I've got the most true-to-the-original version of Grimm's fairy tales that I could find, and we're going through it front-to-back, story-by-story. We'll figure out the intended lessons of each story and the actual lessons of each story. And at the end of each episode, I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's get right to it with today's tale, another classic titled Little Snow White. We begin. Once upon a time in the middle of winter, when snowflakes were falling like feathers from the sky, a beautiful queen was sitting and sewing at a window with a black ebony frame. Wow, that is actually a beautiful first line. Most first lines in these stories are like, A man got lost in the woods and decided to eat his dog to survive. This first line is gorgeous. We continue. And as she was sewing and looking out the window at the snow, she pricked her finger with the needle, and three drops of blood fell on the snow. Wait, wasn't she inside? It says she was looking out the window at the snow. Well, it was a great first line, but we're already getting sloppy now, guys. The red looked so beautiful on the white snow that she thought to herself, If only I had a child as white as snow and as red as blood, and as black as the wood of the window frame. Wait, this is just like the story The Juniper Tree. The same thing happened with the mom in that story. She saw a drop of blood on the snow and thought I'd love a child as white as snow and as red as blood, and it made just as little sense then as it does now. I still have no idea what that means. Soon thereafter, she gave birth to a little daughter who was as white as snow, as red as blood, and her hair as black as ebony. That's why the child was called Little Snow White. Oh, it still doesn't make sense, guys. I understand the white as snow if the kid is just super pale, I guess, and now we've got the black hair, but what the hell does red as blood mean? It made no sense in the juniper tree, even though they repeated it a million times. And as you can tell, I am not happy to see it reemerge here. It is confusing. Cut that shit out, folktale writers. We continue. The queen was the most beautiful woman in the entire land and very proud about her beauty. She also had a mirror, and every morning she stepped in front of it and asked, Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who in this land is fairest of all? The mirror would answer, You, my queen, are the fairest of all. And then she knew for certain that there was nobody more beautiful in the entire world. However, little Snow White grew up, and when she was seven years old, she was so beautiful that her beauty surpassed even that of the queen. And when the queen asked her mirror, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? The mirror answered, You, my queen, may have a beauty quite rare, but little Snow White is a thousand times more fair. Okay, it's a little weird to describe a seven-year-old as beautiful. I mean, I understand a parent saying like, oh, my beautiful child, but that's a different sort of beauty than I figure is being used to describe the queen here, right? It's definitely different. When the queen heard the mirror speak this way... She became pale with envy. Well, now she's white as snow. And from that hour onward, she hated Snow White. And when she looked at her and thought that little Snow White was to blame that she, the queen, was no longer the most beautiful woman in the world, her heart turned against little Snow White. Okay, if, if anyone would react this way, then they are not fit to be a parent. That's just messed up. Also, who is the dad in this situation? There was no mention of who the queen had the baby with. What's going on here? Is there a king? Does Snow White have a father? Or was this a medieval ages sperm donor situation? 
Her jealousy kept upsetting her, and so she summoned the huntsman and said, Take the child out into the forest to a spot far from here. Then stab her to death and bring me back her lungs and liver as proof of your deed. After that, I'll cook them with salt and eat them. Okay, it's got nothing to do with your envy, cooking them with salt and eating them. That's just some fucked up shit that you want to do, lady. And if she wants to get rid of the competition, that's one thing. Just be like, kill her and get rid of the body. But choosing to have the lungs and liver cut out so she can eat them, that's a personal choice, queen. And another thing, she says bring the lungs and liver as proof of your deed. A lung and a liver aren't evidence of anything. He could just get that shit from a butcher. Or he could just kill someone else. It's not even like she's gonna say, Oh, I'd know her liver anywhere. That's definitely Snow White's liver. And she gives absolutely no reason for why she's gonna eat them. Clearly she's just very interested in dabbling in cannibalism, and this is just her excuse to do it. The huntsman took little Snow White and led her out into the forest, but when he drew his hunting knife and was about to stab her, she began to weep and pleaded so much to let her live and promised never to return, but to run deeper into the forest. The huntsman was moved to pity, also because she was so beautiful. I don't know why they needed to add that. Why can't it just be because he was moved to pity out of his own compassion and mercy? Why does her being attractive factor in? Also, isn't she still seven years old? I guess time could have passed. They kind of glossed over how much time had passed. I'm going to choose to to think she's aged up quite a bit. At least a decade. Hopefully more, if I'm being honest. Hopefully like 15 years. But I don't know. These, these folktales are weird with that shit. But still, it's fucked up that her being attractive is factoring into why the Huntsman is sparing her life. Like what, if she was ugly, he just would have been like, nah... You gotta die. Anyway, he thought he would... <laughs> That's in the story, by the way. It literally says, anyway. Anyway, he thought the wild beasts in the forest would soon devour her. Quote, I'm glad that I won't have to kill her. Just then, a young boar came dashing by, and the huntsman stabbed it to death. <laughs> I like it how they make it seem like the huntsman was just standing there looking sad as she ran off into the distance when a boar just ran up right next to him and he just immediately started stabbing it. He took out the lungs and liver and brought them to the queen as proof that the child was dead. Then she boiled them in salt, ate them, and thought that she had eaten a little Snow White's lungs and liver. Okay, queen, great job. Still no mention of what is accomplished by doing that. But congratulations, queen, you have eaten your beloved daughter's organs. Any notes on how she's feeling about that? Because I thought she liked Snow White before all this, before her jealousy turned her against her. Oh well. Meanwhile, little Snow White was so all alone in the huge forest that she became afraid, and began to run and run over sharp stones and through thorn bushes. She ran the entire day. Finally, as the sun was about to set, she came upon a little cottage that belonged to seven dwarves. However, they were not at home, but had gone to the mines. When little Snow White entered, she found everything tiny but dainty and neat. There was a little table with a white tablecloth, and on it were seven little plates with seven tiny spoons, seven tiny knives and tiny forks, and seven tiny cups. In a row against the wall stood seven little beds, recently covered with sheets. Since she was so hungry and thirsty, Little Snow White ate some vegetables and bread from each of the little plates and had a drop of wine to drink out of each of the tiny cups. And since she was so tired, she wanted to lay down and sleep. So she began trying out the beds. But none of them suited her until she found that the seventh one was just right. So she lay down in it and fell asleep. This is poor form right here, Snow White. I mean, I understand that she's starving and tired, but she ate from all of their plates and drank from every single cup. She's essentially dirtying all of their meals and drinks. That is disgusting. If she's starving, just eat from one of the plates and drink from one cup. 
then she can explain herself when they get back and they can use the other plates to refill the food on that plate and refill the wine. I mean, it's weird that they set out all of the meals like before they left for the day. I think it'd be kind of gross by the time they got back. But hey, they're living however they want to live. Regardless, they're going to get back and be like, wait, you ate from all of our plates? Why? Are you trying to make it so we wouldn't notice? Because then you stuck around and slept in all our beds. That's another thing. She tried out every bed. That's just getting greedy at that point. She's lucky to have found a place at all. It's already presumptuous to get into one of the beds, but she gets into every single bed. Imagine if you and your family were about to eat Thanksgiving dinner, but for some reason you were all pulled away and had to leave the house for like 20 minutes, and you got back to find a homeless guy there. You might be like, all right, well, today is a day for gratitude, so we'll share our food with him. And then you find out that the homeless guy ate from every single one of your plates and drank from every single one of your cups and got into every single one of your beds. You'd be so much more pissed off. Because if the homeless guy had just eaten one plate of food and one drink, you'd be like, oh, whatever, we can split what's on everyone else's plates. But after they ate and drank from every single plate and cup, you're going to be like, I kind of don't want to eat this food anymore. I, I definitely don't want to drink this wine. And now we literally all need to do our sheets because this person was just panic running through the forest and is covered in sweat and dirt. So if Snow White has tried to fall on the mercy of these dwarves and hope they accept her as a house guest, she is starting off by being the worst guest imaginable. Anyway, long tangent there, we continue. When it turned night, the seven dwarfs returned home from their work and lit their seven little candles. Then they saw someone had been in their house. The first dwarf said, Who's been sitting in my chair? Who's eaten off my plate? said the second. Who's eaten some of my bread? said the third. Who's eaten some of my vegetables? said the fourth. Who's been using my little fork? said the fifth. Who's been cutting with my little knife? said the sixth. Who's had something to drink from my little cup? said the seventh. Then the first dwarf looked around and said, Who's been sleeping in my bed? Then the second cried out, Someone's been sleeping in my bed. And he was followed by each one of them until the seventh dwarf looked at his bed and saw little Snow White lying there asleep. The others came running over to him, and they were so astounded that they screamed and fetched their seven little candles to observe little Snow White. "'Oh, my lord, oh, my lord!' they exclaimed. "'How beautiful she is!' They took great delight in her, but didn't wake her up. They're running around screaming. How is she not waking up on her own? Instead, they let her sleep in the bed while the seventh dwarf spent an hour in each one of his companions' beds until the night had passed. Man, this story is really all about equal portions. The seventh guy is getting screwed, though. Obviously, at this point, it's just easier to split a bed with one other dwarf for the night instead of this one dwarf having to wake up every hour. It sounds miserable. When little Snow White awoke, they asked her who she was and how she managed to come to their cottage. Then she told them how her mother had wanted to have her killed, how the huntsman had spared her life, and how she had run all day until she had eventually arrived at their cottage. Then the seven dwarves took pity on her and said, if you'll keep house for us, cook, sew, make the beds, wash, and knit, and if you'll keep everything neat and orderly, you can stay with us, and we'll provide you with everything you need. When we come home in the evening, dinner must be ready. During the day, we're in the mines and dig for gold. You'll be alone, and we'll have to watch out for the queen, and not let anyone enter the cottage. Huh. You know, if there were only three or four dwarves, that'd be a pretty good deal. But doing all of that for seven people plus herself, it's a pretty big job. Running a household of eight people where all seven of the dwarves are like, yeah, we're going to do nothing. We're going to do zero cleaning, never make our beds, and never cook. You're also going to have to do sewing and knitting. So I guess you're making our clothes from now on. Man, maybe have her take charge of maintaining the house, but let's take it easy, guys. Chip in a little bit. Still do your part. 
In the meantime, the queen believed that she was once again the most beautiful woman in the land, and stepped before her mirror and asked, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? The mirror answered, You, my queen, may have a beauty quite rare, but beyond the seven mountains, this I must tell. Little Snow White is living quite well. Indeed, she's still a thousand times more fair. Damn, a thousand times more fair. The mirror is just insulting her at that point. Saying that is just needlessly cruel. But Snow White is the queen's daughter, so shouldn't shouldn't the queen be a little proud that her daughter is so beautiful? She should take some pride in that. It's not like it's her high school nemesis who's taking her title of hottest lady. It's her own daughter. Still reflects well on her own beauty, right? But I guess that's I guess that's beside the point. Also, there are totally stories of moms being super jealous and petty towards their own daughters. So I guess this sentiment is believable. Very sad. Very sad, but believable. We continue. When the queen heard this, she was horrified, for she saw that she had been deceived, and that the huntsman had not killed Little Snow White. Since nobody but the seven dwarves lived in the Seven Mountains region, the queen knew immediately that Little Snow White was dwelling with them, and began once again plotting ways to kill her. Oh, come on. Why Why you gotta be snitching, Mirror? Seven dwarves are literally the only people who live in the Seven Mountains region. Why does the mirror include that detail? Just say, Snow White's fairer than you. The mirror even tells the queen that Snow White is living quite well. Damn, this mirror really loves rubbing the queen's face in this shit. <laughs> like, yeah, she's super hot and she's having a great fucking time. Also, she donates to charities and saves puppies, and just developed a cure for cancer. Ah, oh, man, she's the best. She's so much better than you, Queen. A thousand times better than you, actually. Anyway, have a nice day, Queen. We continue. As long as the mirror refused to say that she was the most beautiful woman in the land, she would remain upset. Huh, it's saying as long as she remains the most beautiful woman in the land, she would remain upset. So that doesn't necessarily mean that Snow White has to die. I mean, it just means that she has to be made not as beautiful, I guess. I mean, it's fucked up to suggest, hey, queen, don't kill her, just disfigure her somehow. I'm not endorsing any of, of that behavior, obviously. I want to be very clear about that. And, I mean, I guess you could say, well, maybe the mirror is judging beauty on the inside, in which case disfiguring Snow White wouldn't change anything. But if that's the case, then there's no way that the queen could possibly be second place. If we're judging people's beauty based on what's on the inside, the queen is probably pretty close to rock bottom. I mean, I don't know how many people exist in this world. It can't be that many, to be honest. But still, this queen is trying to murder and eat people, her own daughter, at that so she's definitely coming in last in a personality pageant. The only possible way she could have been the fairest by any metric is if she's just super hot. Because we know she's rotten on the inside. Maybe she was super nice before her jealousy poisoned her mind, but if that's the case, then she's got no hope of ever regaining her title by killing Snow White. So, it'll just be pointless. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked again. We continue. Since she couldn't be absolutely certain and didn't trust anyone, she disguised herself as an old peddler woman, painted her face so that nobody could recognize her, and went to the cottage of the Seven Dwarves, where she knocked at the door and cried out, Open up, open up, I'm the old peddler woman. Great, great disguise, really embodying the character. Don't, don't come up with a name for yourself or anything, just call yourself the old peddler woman. Really, really selling it. I've got pretty wares for sale. Little Snow White looked out of the window. What do you have for sale? Stay laces, dear child. The old woman replied and took out a lace woven from yellow, red, and blue silk. Do you want it? Well, yes, said Little Snow White and thought, I can certainly let this good old woman inside. She is honest enough. So Little Snow White unbolted the door and bought the lace. My goodness, you're so sloppily laced up, said the old woman. 
Come, I'll lace you properly for once. Little Snow White stood in front of the old woman, who took the lace and tied it around Little Snow White so tightly that she lost her breath and fell down, as if dead. Then the queen was satisfied and left. Not long after nightfall, the dwarfs came home, and when they saw their dear Snow White lying on the ground, they were horrified, for she seemed to be dead. They lifted her up, and when they saw that she was laced too tightly, they cut the stay lace in two. At once she began to breathe a little, and after a while she had fully revived. That was nobody else but the queen, they said. She wanted to take your life. Be careful and don't let anyone else enter the cottage. Man, what a terrible assassination attempt. It's pretty cowardly. She just tied her corset too tight and ran away. I don't know, stab her or something. Also, it goes without saying that if Snow White had been lying on the ground, unconscious, without breathing for hours, then she'd be dead. We continue. Now the queen asked her mirror, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? The mirror answered, You, my queen, may have a beauty quite rare, but little Snow White's alive, this I must tell, with the dwarves and doing quite well. Indeed, she's still a thousand times more fair. The queen was so horrified that all her blood rushed to her heart when she realized that little Snow White was alive once again. So she began thinking day and night how she could put an end to little Snow White. Finally, she made a poisoned comb, disguised herself in a completely different shape, and went off to the dwarf's cottage once again. When she knocked on the door, however, little Snow White called out, I'm not allowed to let anyone enter. The queen then took out the comb, and when little Snow White saw it shine and that the woman was someone entirely different from the one she had previously met, she opened the door and bought the comb. Oh, come on, Snow White, don't be an idiot. You agreed not to let anyone enter, and just reiterated this. You know the queen can do disguises, and still, you're like... Well, she's not in the same disguise that tried to kill me before, so, you know, all good. Ridiculous. You know, Snow White might be pretty, but she sure didn't get the brains. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say that. Also, why is it so important to buy a comb? You know you're in danger. You know someone is literally trying to kill you. Is it really worth risking it for a comb? The dwarves said they'd provide anything you need. Just ask them. You don't need this comb. Snow White, you don't need it that bad. Also, I like how the story doesn't even bother to describe what the queen's disguise is. They're just like, she looks different, that's all you need to know. We continue. Come, said the peddler woman, I'll also comb your hair. But no sooner did the old woman stick the comb in little Snow White's hair than the maiden fell down and was dead. Now, how the hell does a poisoned comb work? I mean, even if we're talking about a topical poison, it's not going to do much on someone's hair. I don't know if the science checks out on this, guys. Now you'll remain lying there, the queen said, and her heart had become lighter as she returned home. However, the dwarves came just in the nick of time. When they saw what had happened, they pulled the poison comb out of little Snow White's hair, and she opened her eyes and was alive again. How? How does this work? These assassinations are terrible. It only kept her dead as long as the comb was literally in her hair. Obviously someone's going to take the comb out at a certain point. This queen is a terrible assassin. Just stab her, queen. How is she so bad at killing this girl? Especially when this girl is so stupid that she's almost begging to be murdered. <laughs> Oh, God. She promised the dwarves that she would certainly not let anyone else inside again. Wanna bet? Now the queen stepped in front of her mirror and once more asked, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? The mirror answered, You, my queen, may have a beauty quite rare, but little Snow White's alive, this I must tell. She's with the dwarfs and doing quite well. Indeed, she's still a thousand times more fair. 
When the queen heard this once again, she trembled and shook with rage. Little Snow White shall die, she exclaimed, even if it costs me my own life. Okay, so the queen has gone insane because she can't be the hottest lady in the world if she's dead. So she's essentially saying that if she can't be the hottest lady in the world, then she'd rather be dead, which is so sad. This queen needs to adjust her priorities. Speaking of which, she's a queen. What's going on in her kingdom? How's her kingdom doing? Can't imagine it's very prosperous or thriving at the moment if this is how she's spending her time and mental energy. Man, those poor people. Then she went into a secret chamber where no one was allowed to enter. Once inside, she made a deadly poisonous apple. What do you want to bet? She didn't make it poisonous enough. On the outside, it looked beautiful, with red cheeks. Anyone who saw it would be enticed to take a bite. Thereafter, she disguised herself as a peasant woman. Seems like the same disguise every time. Just like different variations of peasant women. She went to the dwarf's cottage and knocked on the door. Little Snow White looked and said, I'm not allowed to let anyone inside. The seven dwarves have strictly forbidden me. Well, if you don't want to let me in, I can't force you, answered the peasant woman. I'll surely get rid of my apples in time, but let me give you one to test. No, said Little Snow White. I'm not allowed to take anything. The dwarves won't let me. It shouldn't be about the dwarves not letting you, Snow White. Shouldn't self-preservation be part of her reasoning for not letting her in or taking anything? Man, Snow White wants to get murdered so bad. She's like, the dwarves are standing in my way. You're probably afraid, said the old woman. Look, I'll cut the apple in two. You eat the beautiful red half. See, this woman's desperation of making the sale should be a tip-off that something's wrong here. Little Snow White has zero street smarts. However, the apple had been made with such cunning that only the red part was poisoned. That's not that cunning. That's actually a tip-off. That's worse. That's a giveaway. Something's going on. When Little Snow White saw the peasant woman eating her half, and when her desire to taste the apple grew stronger, she finally let the peasant woman give her the other half through the window. As soon as she took a bite of the apple, she fell to the ground and was dead. This woman is a moron. She's not starving or anything. She just literally has no self-control. She doesn't need this apple. Apples aren't even that great. She's risking her life for a taste of an apple. My god, just let this woman die. You can only help someone so much, you know? This is evolution at work. Seriously, at this point, she's like, yes, please murder me. Thank you very much. If I'm one of the dwarves and I get home to see this, I'd just be like, you know what, guys, we did everything we could. This girl had a death wish. Let's just not try to revive her this time. Let her go. Let her go. The queen rejoiced, went home, and asked the mirror, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror answered, You, my queen, are now the fairest of all. Now I can rest in peace, she said. Once again, I'm the most beautiful in the land, and Snow White will remain dead this time. When the dwarves came home from the mines that evening, they found little Snow White lying on the ground, and she was dead. They unlaced her and tried to find something poisonous in her hair, but nothing helped. They couldn't revive her. So they laid her on a beer, beer, buyer, B-I-E-R. Okay, I looked it up and it's something that you put a corpse on. Don't know why they had one of those handy. That's a little concerning. And all seven of them sat down beside it and wept and wept for three whole days. Then they intended to bury her, but she looked more alive than dead, and she still had such pretty red cheeks. 
So instead, they made a glass coffin and placed her inside so that she could easily be seen. Then they wrote her name on the coffin in gold letters and added the family name. What's that? What's the family name? One of the dwarves remained at home every day to keep watch over her. Why didn't they do that when her life was in danger and she was alive still? It probably would have been super helpful if there had been a dwarf at home with her to be like, No, don't open the door or take anything, Snow White. It's crazy that you literally need someone here to tell you this because it's actually the one thing we agreed on multiple times after you were almost killed all those times before, this is the one thing we told you not to do. It's insane that I have to be here to tell you not to do this, but just don't take anything from strangers. She's offering a comb. Don't take it. We'll get you a comb. We can get you an apple. No, you know what? If someone comes to the door, just don't answer it. Pretend nobody's home. Just hide. Hide in the bathroom. Fucking hell. Now these dwarves are diminishing their productivity in the mines just to watch over her body. But they didn't think of this plan to keep her alive? Ugh. Man. So little Snow White lay in the coffin for a long, long time, but did not rot. Alright. She was still white as snow and red as blood. Ugh. And if her eyes could have opened, they would have been black as ebony. What? I thought that was her hair. She's got black eyes? That's fucking terrifying. For she lay there as if she were sleeping. Alright, I don't know what's going on here, but this means she's not dead, right? Something's going on, but she's definitely not dead if her body isn't decaying. So this means that the queen failed in her assassin attempt yet again. Now, it happened that a prince came to the dwarf's cottage one day and wanted to spend the night there. When he entered the room and saw little Snow White lying in the coffin and the seven little candles casting their light right on her, he couldn't get enough of her beauty. Okay, then he read the golden inscription and saw that she was a princess, so he asked the dwarves to sell him the coffin with the dead little Snow White inside, but they wouldn't accept all the gold in the world for it. Then he pleaded with them to give little Snow White to him as a gift, because he couldn't live without gazing upon her, and he would honor her and hold her in high regard as his most beloved in the world. Ugh. What a creep. She's dead. Bro, what's your deal? Do not let this guy take Snow White's body, because he is definitely gonna do some weird shit. This is super messed up. This is a creep right here. Full-on creeper. Well, the dwarves took pity on him and gave him the coffin. And the prince had it carried to his castle. It was then placed in his room, where he himself sat the entire day and couldn't take his eyes off her. And when he had to leave the room and couldn't see little Snow White, he became sad. Indeed, he couldn't eat a thing unless he was standing near the coffin. This is super messed up. It would be one thing if he had known her in life and loved her. It somehow wasn't as disturbing with the dwarves because they knew her and they, they loved her. But this guy just thinks she's the most gorgeous corpse he's ever seen. And now he literally can't eat unless he's staring at her lifeless body. This is not a healthy man. This prince is not well. However, the servants who had to carry the coffin from place to place in the castle all the time <laughs> became angry about this, and at one time a servant opened the coffin, lifted little Snow White into the air, and said, Why must we be plagued with so much work, all because of a dead maiden? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you, buddy, but maybe leave her body alone. On saying this, he shoved little Snow White's back with his hand, and out popped the nasty piece of apple that had been stuck in little Snow White's throat, and she was once again alive. Damn, what a turn of events for that servant. He was literally pulling a dead body out of a coffin and throwing it around, which is incredibly disrespectful, and boom, it leads to him accidentally bringing her back to life. <laughs> that guy must have been 
stunned when she suddenly woke up and was like, hey, put me down. As soon as this happened, she went to the prince, and when he saw his dear little Snow White alive, he rejoiced so much that he didn't know what to do. Then they sat down at the dinner table and ate with delight. Yeah, there's probably a lot to explain after she wakes up. A lot to catch her up on. She's like, so my dwarf friends gave my lifeless body away to you? Why? Why do you want my lifeless body? No, what am I thinking? She's an idiot. She's not thinking this through at all. She's probably like, oh, hi, who are you? Are you going to murder me? No? Okay. Dinner? Sure. I don't know. She just had such a death wish with that queen. Maybe she's disappointed when the servant brought her back to life. Who knows? The wedding was planned for the next day. Man, they're not wasting time. And Snow White's godless mother was also invited to attend. Wait, why? Why would they invite her? She tried to murder the bride four times. You don't get a wedding invite after after four murder attempts. You don't get a wedding invite after one murder attempt, to be honest. And again, normally I'd be like, why would Snow White want to marry this creep who she doesn't even know? But I really am not surprised at all. She's so stupid. She's just going with the flow here. And Snow White's godless mother was also invited to attend. When she now stepped before the mirror, she said, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror replied, You, my queen, may have a beauty quite rare, but little Snow White is a thousand times more fair. When she heard this, she was horrified and became so afraid, so very afraid, that she didn't know what to do. However, her jealousy drove her so much that she wanted to be seen at the wedding. Mm. When she arrived, she saw that little Snow White was the bride. What? But she must have already known that. It just said that her jealousy drove her to be seen at the wedding, implying that she knew it was Snow White's wedding. Also, she got an invite. You don't get invites to weddings for people that you're completely unaware of who's getting married at the wedding. I don't know. Messy. Messy here. Iron slippers were then heated over a fire. Here we go. The queen had to put them on and dance in them, and her feet were miserably burned, but she had to keep dancing in them until she danced herself to death. The end. Huh. Okay, weird ending. So the wedding invitation was a trap. Alright, the queen probably should have seen that coming. It says jealousy drove her to be seen at the wedding, so we know she knew it was Snow White's wedding. Then they force her to dance in scalding hot shoes until she dances herself to death. If I'm a wedding guest, that's gonna kill the mood a little bit. Like, hey, this is fun, but that lady screaming with burning feet being forced to dance is... It's kind of intense, you know, maybe we could, we could keep it light, eh? And then the prince would be like, oh, don't worry about her, she tried to kill the bride. And then Snow White would be like, four times, actually. And then the prince would say, quiet, Snow White, I fell in love with you, silent. Jeez, you will not shut up these days. And Snow White's like, oh, you're so funny, prince. Because this is another instance of a prince or king falling in love with a silent woman. I mean, usually the woman is just mute, but in this instance, she's literally just a completely lifeless body. Similar to Sleeping Beauty, actually. So that's a super fucked up recurring theme right there. Alright, lessons for Snow White. Uh, I mean, the lessons that are always attached to Snow White are all about how real beauty is on the inside. Kind of touched on that earlier, but I don't know how this story demonstrates that. Because what does Snow White do to demonstrate she's a good person? Literally nothing. And her inner beauty never saves her. In fact, her outer beauty saves her. Every damn time. She is nearly killed by the Huntsman, who takes pity on her and lets her live. And it specifically says that her being beautiful played a part in that. Then the dwarves find her sleeping and exclaim how beautiful she is. And they don't even wake her up. And the next day they let her live with them. Then after she is quote-unquote poisoned, the dwarves don't bury her because she had such 
pretty red cheeks, that's a direct quote, and still looked so great that they decided to make a glass coffin to keep her in so they can look at her lifeless body anytime they want. But then the prince showed up, and he thinks she's so hot that he offers to buy her, but convinces the dwarves to give her to him, and then he becomes so obsessed with her, again, because of her physical beauty, and then he spends every day staring at her lifeless body. Then just by chance, she wakes up, and they get married and kill the queen. The point is, her physical beauty is her saving grace time and time again. It definitely isn't her inner beauty. Because with both the dwarves and the prince, she isn't even conscious when they meet her and are immediately enthralled with her beauty. And she doesn't ever do anything to show she's a great person. She performs zero acts of charity or kindness. She just kind of stumbles through the situation and is saved because of her looks. And she's saved by other people. She never even saves herself. So I call bullshit on the inner beauty lesson. Some might point to her kindness as being the reason she let the queen in and accepted these gifts. But at that point, Snow White knows the queen is trying to kill her. That's not kindness. That's stupidity and being weak-willed. Sticking up for yourself and protecting yourself and your loved ones is a virtue. But Snow White is a weak-willed, easily manipulated wimp. If Snow White had a child who was a target and she did the same thing, it would be obviously appalling and you'd call her a terrible person. You wouldn't be like, oh, she's just so kind that she couldn't turn the person away. Fuck that. Grow some balls, Snow White. Another lesson that comes up a lot is the value of friends. And yeah, I mean, Snow White really relies a lot on the dwarves. They save her so many times when she refuses to demonstrate any self-preservation instincts. And I think the fact that she maintains the house shows a bit of everyone helping each other out, and I think that's good. But I still can't get past the fact that they initially allow her to sleep in their bed because she's beautiful, and then when she's poisoned, they keep her dead body because they like looking at it. So this doesn't really feel like a super genuine friendship when they're so obsessed with their looks. So that, that point is kind of tenuous for me. The lesson that I think is intended and actually does hit home and lands really well is the lesson that jealousy and vanity will only lead to your own destruction. This story does a great job of demonstrating that lesson. The queen is entirely consumed by her vanity and jealousy that she becomes a monster and a villain, and this leads to her own very painful death. Being forced to dance in burning shoes, fire-hot metal shoes until you die, that is a brutal way to go. And if she hadn't been consumed by jealousy, she could have led a happy life with this dumb daughter she previously wanted so badly. Just focus on your own life, queen. Focus on the kingdom and on being a good queen and a good mom. Focus on the positivity. Some more literal lessons is that men are stupid and can be easily manipulated, especially by attractive women. I mean, Snow White plays the huntsman, the dwarves, the prince, plays them like a flute. If the queen had sent a female assassin to kill Snow White or even a blind man, boom. Snow White would have been killed right away and the story would have been way shorter. Another lesson, outsource tasks that you yourself are not good at. The queen is clearly terrible at murder. She tries to kill Snow White three times, and all she manages to do is make her fall asleep three times. Maybe get someone else to do this, queen. I know the huntsman let you down, but still, this is clearly not your skill set. Maybe go a different route. She's a queen. Get your soldiers to, I don't know, burn the house down, the seven dwarves' house down. Kill anyone who flees. The queen is overthinking this big time. Stop messing around using lace and a comb and an apple. How about a knife, queen? Use a knife or a bow and arrow. She's a queen. She's got access to whatever she needs. So there's another lesson. When you're confronted with a task, use the right tool for the job. Queen's getting too fancy with this. Don't, don't, don't be poisoning combs. You need to chop a tree down. Use an axe not a frying pan. Incidentally, an axe would have been a better thing to use to kill Snow White than what she did. Last lesson, though. The dwarves, and especially the prince in the story, are portrayed as heroes. They're just creeps. They're just creeps. They keep Snow White's corpse in a glass box, and then the prince is obsessed with her and takes her with him, and we're supposed to celebrate them for that? No. Fuck that. 
As far as they know, she's dead. That's a dead body. So my last literal lesson from this story, don't be a creep. Don't be like the men in this story. Don't become obsessed with a woman because of her looks. Women don't want that. You might think your intentions are noble, and you're the Prince Charming in this story. You're not. You're just being a creep and creating a narrative in your own head. Don't do that. Do not emulate any character in this story. That goes for the male characters and the female characters. Every person in this story is terrible. Except maybe the Huntsman. I'm going to be honest, he's the only person in this story who isn't an idiot, a creep, or just straight-up evil. Huh. Wouldn't have thought I would arrive at that conclusion, but here we are. Alright, let's adapt this thing. So, this will be a movie, and we're going to set it in, like, 1800s Eastern Europe. And we've got an older man played by Sasha Baron Cohen. And he is the best dancer in the world. He's been renowned as the best dancer for, like, 30 years... And as a result, he's become incredibly vain and prideful. However, there's a new dancer quickly rising through the ranks, and he'll be played by Ben Schwartz. I know I use Ben Schwartz a lot, but whatever. I like Ben Schwartz. And this dancer, Ben Schwartz, is starting to get a great deal of acclaim, but Sasha Baron Cohen is like, no matter, nobody can compare with me. And then they release the the yearly rankings of the best dancers in the world, and Sasha is stunned to see that Ben Schwartz is at the top of the list. So he hires a hitman to kill Ben Schwartz, and the hitman confronts Ben in an alley as Ben Schwartz is leaving the theater one day, and the hitman says, prepare to die. But Ben Schwartz drops his big puffy coat, because it's Eastern Europe, so it's all snowy and fucking freezing all the time, and he begins to dance right there in the alley. And he dances so beautifully that the hitman just begins to cry, and through his weeping and his tears, he says... This is the most beautiful dancing I have ever seen. I cannot deprive the world of your beauty, Ben Schwartz. And the hitman embraces Ben Schwartz and hugs him. And Ben whispers in his ear, You're welcome. And the hitman says, Sasha Baron Cohen means to have you murdered. You must run. You must run or you will be killed. And then the hitman just flees into the night, just sobbing uncontrollably at the beauty of the dancing he just witnessed. And so Ben Schwartz goes on the run to save his own life, and he flees into the woods. He gets lost, and he's starving, because he's a dancer with no survival skills, and then he stumbles across a farmhouse that's occupied by by a woman and her six daughters, and they feed him and help him recover his strength, and in return for a place to stay, he takes care of the house, and he dances for them every night. And Sasha Baron Cohen is furious that the hitman failed, of course, and so he decides he has to kill Ben Schwartz himself and he hires a detective to find him and track him down. And then he puts on a disguise as an old beggar man. And he goes by the farmhouse one day, when all the women are working the fields, and Ben is just home alone, and the old man is he's selling mushrooms, except mushrooms are a special type of mushroom that can paralyze and kill a person. And so Ben takes a bite, and he falls down, paralyzed. And Sasha Baron Cohen says, Ha-ha, it was me, Sasha Baron Cohen! Now you'll never be a better dancer than me. And he does a bunch of pirouettes, and he flees out of the house before the woman can return. And the women return to see Ben Schwartz passed out and stiff as a rock, and they recognize the mushroom, so they know that he's paralyzed, but but he didn't eat enough to be killed, so he's just alive, but paralyzed. And they are so sad for Ben that he's paralyzed and can no longer do what he loves, which is to dance, but they've grown close to him, so they take care of him. And meanwhile... Sasha Baron Cohen has returned and is once again the top dancer because Ben Schwartz mysteriously disappeared and nobody knows what happened. The composer, that worked very closely and was very good friends with Ben Schwartz, knows knows something is wrong, though. And this this composer will be played by Tessa Thompson, and she's working on the, the great big new show, but Ben, her star, has disappeared and has had to be replaced by Sasha Baron Cohen. And she hears him say something that makes her suspicious and think that maybe Ben fled somewhere in the woods. And so she sets out across the countryside to find answers. And one day, she stumbles across the farm with the seven women, and she finds Ben. And she is so saddened to find him paralyzed. And let's say that the farm women don't know that it was Sasha Baron Cohen who did it to Ben Schwartz. They just found Ben passed out with the mushrooms. So Tessa doesn't know what happened, but finds the whole situation very tragic. And she says, well... 
I don't know what has happened to you or why, but I remember your favorite song that I composed for you. And there's a piano at the farmhouse, and Tessa Thompson sits down and begins to play. And something magical comes over Ben Schwartz, and as she plays his favorite song, his fingers begin to twitch. And then his hands move, and then his arm, and then his feet, and then he's able to stand. And as Tessa plays this beautiful song, Ben Schwartz begins to dance. And oh, what glorious dancing! And Ben Schwartz tells them what happened, and they decide he has to go back and take his rightful crown as the best dancer in the world. And so Ben bids a tearful and thankful goodbye to the farmhouse ladies and returns to the city with Tessa Thompson. And soon it's it's opening night for Tessa's big new show starring Sasha Baron Cohen. And when it's the big solo dance number, Sasha Baron Cohen takes the stage. But from the opposite side of the stage, who appears but Ben Schwartz? And he steps onto the stage to the shock and horror of Sasha Baron Cohen, but the audience roars with applause because, as far as they know, Ben hasn't been seen in ages, and the music begins to play, and the two dancers essentially have a dance fight, like a duel, but instead of pistols or swords, they use the majesty of dance, and they go back and forth until the climax of the song when Ben does a a breathtaking move and Sasha Baron Cohen falls to his knees and says, you have bested me, you truly are the best dancer in the world. And Ben Schwartz says, I learned from watching you all my life. And Sasha says, it is my great honor to have inspired such brilliance. And the two men stand and embrace. And the audience leaps to their feet and they cheer with deafening and raucous applause and they're throwing flowers onto the stage. And Sasha and Ben team up with with Sasha as Ben's mentor and they start a dance academy and put on wonderful shows with the music of Tessa Thompson And they all live happily ever after. The end. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next week for a story titled Simple Hans. My god, guys. Another Hans? We had Clever Hans, now we've got Simple Hans. Do they even have another name for men back then? Maybe all of these folktales are just about one guy. One old-timey guy named Hans who just led a very full life and was both clever and simple and had many adventures. Well, come on back next week for Simple Hans. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. (laughs) 